Good morning, wonderful friends. This is Kathleen De La Hunt, and this is week three in the course of Your Kingdom Come, Your Will Be Done. And I'm reading to you from Matthew 5 to Matthew 8. And we're doing a Bible study and just looking at what Jesus said to the disciples on Mount Beatitudes when he was unpacking the new covenant to them, the new way of living, and what they would have to do as the church leaders after he left. So I, it's one of my favorite passages of scripture because there's just so much information in it that we can glean from and that we can learn from. So this morning I'm going to start on Matthew 5 verse 31 and we're going to be looking at the topic of divorce. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I say to you, any man who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery with her. Now, I've often heard people say, oh, once you divorce, you can't get married again because it's going to be adultery before the eyes of the Lord. But I think what we're actually doing is we're missing what Jesus is saying to the man here. He's talking to the men. He's saying to the man that if you give your wife a certificate of divorce, you might think you've divorced her in paper, but you have not divorced her in the spirit realm. Because remember, when a man and a woman come together, the two become one. And you stay connected to her spiritually and you stay in one ship with her, which means that if she has to then marry someone else, she is committing adultery to your covenant. Because the husband is the head of the home. And that covenant that has been established is the wife being added to him. And that adultery is being committed against him. And so we have to understand what Jesus is saying in this passage of scripture when he talks to the men and he says to the men, if you divorce your wife, if you give her a certificate of divorce, don't think that you are free because you're not free. You are still connected spiritually and it is still being held against you. Now, he is speaking to men about uncovering their wives and not taking seriously or taking responsibility for the covenant that they have sealed with their wives before God. Jesus is saying, do you understand she is still covenanted to you? If she violates the covenant with sexual immorality, if she commits adultery, then you as the man are not accountable and you can divorce her. So God is making us look again, Jesus is making us look again at the covenant promise that was so cheapened through just handing their wives a, a divorce paper saying, I divorce you and walking away with no accountability. And once again, as he does the whole way through Matthew um, 5 through to 8, he's continuously taking them back to heart attitudes, to covenanted attitudes, and to understanding it from God's perspective. Now in Genesis 2 verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave, that means stick to, be glued to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, the problem in this statement is most men don't understand the importance of leaving their mother and father and cleaving to their wife. They still have far too much influence coming from their parents into the marriage when they should have cut off that connection completely. Once our children are married, friends, 
we can be their friends, but we cannot be part of their new covenant. That is between them and their wife. And they've got to work it out and settle it between them. And if parents-in-law interfere in that relationship, they are violating the things of God. They may not interfere. They may be invited in to speak into it. They may be invited in to counsel into it. And then that's a different thing because they've been invited in. But they may not offer their opinion and they definitely may not interfere in the marriage. That is violating the kingdom of heaven. But the husband has to understand that he has been cleaved, glued, connected, inseparable from his wife. So just by giving her a piece of paper saying, I divorce you, he needs to understand he is still glued to her. And that is what Jesus is saying. It says in Ephesians 5.23, for a husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So God holds men accountable for how they treat their wives, what they do with their wives, how they see their wives as special, how they see their wives as somebody that they have to fight for, how they protect their wives. God holds them accountable. The husband's role as being the head of the home is not to be the dominator and controller. It's to protect her against the, the, the spirit realm. It's to protect them. It's a, it's a governmental role to protect his wife and his family against the demonic realm. And then to, to create an atmosphere where everybody can blossom. That is the head of the house's role. Now, if we look up that word head in the Strong's Concordance under G2776, it says this, the loss of head destroys life. So now we have to understand that when the head is cut off from the family, it destroys life. That is why God holds it so, so powerfully in the palm of his hand and says to us, you cannot just do that. Relating to extreme punishment, it's seen as extreme punishment, the head protects the body, the wife, and the family against the forces of darkness. Now in Ephesians 5 verse 25 it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. So God's expectation on husbands is that they will be prepared to lay down their lives for their wives. That word love means agapeo. It means to be well pleased with to be contented with, to treat affectionately, to be kind, to show signs of love, to kiss, to be affectionate, to, be, to, to show them that you love them, to be a friend, to be tender. And it comes from agab, which means to breathe after, to love sensually, to be a lover, to lust after, or to dote on. So God is saying, husbands, Lust after your own wife. Dote on your wife. Be a lover to her. Be sensual with her. Breathe after her. But treat her affectionately. Be kind to her. Show her signs that you love her. Be a friend. Be tender. Be contented with your wife. Now I want to just say this to you friends. That any man that treats his wife like that will keep her forever. Men are driven by what they see. Women are driven by how they feel. And when a man makes a woman feel that he 
absolutely dotes after her, that she's the most important thing that he has, and that he is tender and kind and affectionate with her. I want to tell you, friends, marriages would not be breaking up the way that they are breaking up. So God is speaking to the husbands here in Matthew 5, and he's saying, husbands, do you understand how much I'm holding you accountable for what happens in your marriage. Now I want you to know that that doesn't mean the wife can do anything she wants to and be it's okay. No, that's not true. But the truth of the matter is a woman that feels loved, a woman that feels treasured, a woman that is treated kindly, and a woman that is doted over will automatically pour her life out for the man that loves her. You know, the Bible never tells a woman to love her husband. It says that she needs to honor him and she's to respect him. She's to admire him. But the truth of the matter is there are not many men that give women something to admire. At the same time, if a woman does not appreciate and love and respect the man that is pouring out his life for her, that is laying down his life for her, then God says to the man, then you are free. Then you are free because she's chosen to walk away. But until that, you have to absolutely lay down your life for her, just like Christ laid down his life for the church. Now, Malachi is the scripture that people love to quote when they say God hates divorce. Now, I want to have a look at that today, and we're going to teach it a little bit more. It says in Malachi 2, verse 13 to 16, And there is another thing you do. You flood the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with wailing, because he no longer pays attention to your offering, nor takes pleasure in it from your hand. Yet you ask, for what reason? Because the Lord acts as a witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have dealt treacherously with her, the partner of your youth. The word treacherously means to pillage, or to plunder her. Now, if you consider the fact that a woman gives her all to a man, emotionally, physically, financially, and, and in most situations, women even give their name for the, for the man, and then the, the Jesus says to them in Malachi, he says, you have plundered her. You have pillaged her. You have stolen from her. It also means to act covertly, to be deceitful, to be unfaithful, to cover her with a garment of unfaithfulness, to steal from her, to be disloyal, and to be underhanded. So the Lord is saying, that's how you've treated your wife, and then you're wondering why I'm not answering your prayers. It means to uncover her, not covering her as a husband who has been called to protect her. So in this passage of scripture, Malachi 2, he's saying to the men, you're crying out for me, you're wondering why I'm not answering your prayers, but I'm looking at the wife of your youth, and I'm looking at how treacherously you are treating her, considering the fact that his command to the men was, be tender, be affectionate, be loving, and absolutely dote on your wife. It goes on in Malachi, and he says, did he not make them one? And the evidence of the Spirit remains in him. And why did he make them one? He was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, says that he hates the pudding 
away. Now, friends, isn't that interesting? It doesn't say he hates divorce. It says he hates the putting away. So what is the putting away? Well, according to the Strong's Concordance, H7971, it means to grow apart, to send away, to forsake, to give up on, to push away, or to discard, and ultimately to divorce. So it's not the divorce paper that God hates. It's the process that leads to the divorce paper. It's the fact that no longer is his wife the center of his affection. No longer is she the center of his doting on. No longer is he treating her kindly. He's treating her treacherously. They're living in the same house, but he's treating her badly. He's speaking badly to her. He's ignoring her. He's spending all of his time doing other things with other people. He's on on the on the phone watching pornography. He's uncovered her. He's put her away. And God says, I hate the putting away. It's not the piece of paper that separates the people that God hates. It's the fact that they've been living in a state of being put away for such a long time. Some people never get divorced, but their whole marriage is in the state of putting away. Their whole marriage is in the state of being uncovered. Their whole marriage is in the state where there are two individuals in one home and there is absolutely nothing that represents the kingdom of heaven. You see, it's not the divorce God hates, friends. It's the putting away it's the living in a situation that does not reflect true marriage the way that he intended it to be. Because before God, intimacy and the, the love of a man and a woman is the most intimate, turning into a, the oneness and it represents worship, being one with God, being one with each other. Intimacy of a marriage bed is the most beautiful thing God ever created. And he gets absolutely saddened when that is not treated as sacred, friends. And God's intention is that the man would be the savior for his family, the head for his family, the protector for his family, and that his family would absolutely hold his heart and get all of his attention. And he says in Malachi, I hate the putting away. And so I want to say to those of you that are listening today, how many of you are listening are living in the state of putting away? How many of you are living in a place where you're married, but there's no relationship? There's nothing in your marriage that represents God and the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing that represents the covenant that you promised to each other. God said, I hate that. I absolutely hate that because it does not reflect my heart and nobody flourishes in that environment. And yet in, a, in an environment where the husband takes his rightful place, everybody flourishes. The wife flourishes and the children flourishes. God hates the putting away. It says in that passage of scripture, did he not make them one and the evidence of the spirit remains in him? Remember I said that cleaving means glue together? There is a three-stranded three cord that happens in a marriage. When you bring your marriage to the Lord and you say, God, we bring this before you, we make an oath before you, and we make a covenant before you, the Spirit of God comes into that and establishes a three-stranded cord. That's what it says in Ecclesiastes. So you and your wife and the Holy Spirit become one. Now when you push her away, the evidence of the Spirit is still there saying this is a covenant. This has been established in heaven. And that's why a piece of paper doesn't separate you, friends. Because it doesn't break 
the covenant that was established. You are still soul tied. You are still held together in one. And that's why God hates it. The King James says, For one covers violence with his garment, says the Lord of hosts. Violence means cruelty, injustice, unrighteousness, damage, oppression. That's what it means when you are putting away your wife. It means you're bringing violence on her. You've actually allowed the enemy to come in and to destroy your lives and to destroy your children's lives. And friends, this is long, long, long before a divorce paper has been handed out. So God feels incredibly strongly about a putting away, the uncovering, about living in the same home, but not having the covenanted relationship that you promised to each other when you went into marriage and that was sealed by the power of the Spirit of God. It goes on to say, so guard yourself carefully and do not deal treacherously. Today you can make the decision to change. Today you can say, I'm not going to continue with this anymore. Today you can fall on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I repent I repent, I have not treasured this bride that you've given me. I have not looked after her and I have not made her the most important thing in my life. I have violated her, I have put her away and I've dealt treacherously with her. Repent so that God can restore, renew and turn the whole situation around because he is faithful. Now, I would like to look at the wife that has been put away. In other words, a wife that is living in a situation where there is no love in the relationship, there's no being treated tenderly, but still sticking in the marriage. In 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14 to 15, remember Malachi said, because I'm looking for godly offspring, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14 to 15, it says, for the unbelieving husband, and that word unbelieving means untrustworthy, disbelieving, unfaithful, or heathen. So it doesn't mean somebody who is a non-believer. It means somebody who's not believing God the way they should. Somebody who's not fulfilling their role in their belief. You know, to follow Jesus, you have to be a believer, friends. And you might think that you're a Christian, but if you're not a believer, if you're not believing the word, believing the Holy Spirit and doing what it says, then you're an unbeliever because you're not believing in the way that you should be believing the word of God and the spirit of God. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, the children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So God says to a believing husband or to a believing wife, it doesn't matter what your partner stands for in this situation your faith and your belief and your praying for them is sanctifying him is covering him so that he's in a position or she's in a position to reach out to God and God's grace has got that whole family sanctified and covered so that the children can grow up godly and so friends, I want to say to you, if you are living in a situation where you've been put away, if you have a husband that is not fulfilling his task, who's not doing what God expects of him to do, do not give up too soon. I really want to say this, divorce is not an answer. Divorce is a side door. And if we go into the side doors on the, on the journey called life, when God wants to equip us and train us and teach us, and we choose a side door as an escape, because divorce is an escape, 
all that happens is that we go into another relationship and we have the same problems because we never learned what God wanted us to learn. So I want to say to the believing partner, if you have an unbelieving partner who is not doing what God is expecting of them for you and for your family, do not give up on them. But what you do need to do is you need to bring them before the Father because he says he sanctifies them. And you've got to bring them before the Father. You've got to bind them to Jesus and loose them from the ways of this world. Loose them from the pains. Loose them from the rejections. Loose them from that which has drawn them out of a covenant that should represent Jesus. Pray for them. Celebrate them. I want to say to the, to the men, if you are a husband with a wife that is not a believer and who's not living her part in the home. You be who God said you needed to be by loving her. You love her. You be tender to her. You show her how much you prepare to lay down your life for her. You lust after her. You dote after her. You breathe after her. You make her the center of your universe. You do your part. And then you pray that God will turn her heart. And I want to tell you, if you are faithful, God is faithful. You may not feel that they're fulfilling the covenant, but if you are, God is faithful. And I want to say to a wife who has a husband that's not believing and that is not doing his part, start admiring him. Start looking at him and telling him what you see about him that you value. Do not allow negative talk to come out of your mouth. Do not gossip about him. Do not run to everybody and say how awful he is. Do not speak destiny through your mouth of corruption into your marriage. Speak life. Speak life. Speak life to him. Thank God that God is working. Thank God that he is sanctified. It doesn't matter what he's doing. Thank God that he is sanctified. The Bible is very strong about sexual immorality, friends. Sexual immorality sets us free of the covenant. Because when either one of the partners has chosen to go into a sexual relationship with another person, they have broken the covenant and God does not hold us accountable any longer for that covenant. It has been severed by the one that committed adultery. And in that case, you are able to walk away absolutely clear and free of the marriage but if that's not happening then it's really important to fight for your marriage because divorce is not a solution it is a side door it causes great pain and no one ever walks out of a marriage and goes through divorce without being harmed the bible compares it to violence and i just want to say to you that as you understand that you fulfilling your covenant, you walk in the blessings of God. And as you pray for your husband, according to Matthew 16, 19 and Matthew 18, 18, or you pray for your wife, you give God and his angels the right through the keys of heaven to work in their lives. But I want to say to you men, I've seen very women turn their back on a man that truly treats her the way Jesus treats the church. And I want to say to you women, when you start admiring him, when you start noticing him, when you start telling him what it is about him that you just absolutely love, it'll be the most amazing thing how you will start reaching to his heart. Most men really battle with a very fragile ego. And as their wives just build into that ego, you'll see such a change coming. And then the second thing is wives. Give them something to dote on. Give them something to, to lust after. And I don't mean be sensual, 
but I mean look after yourself, present yourself attractive, let your hair be pretty, let your face be pretty, let your clothes be attractive, be clean, smell nice, be somebody that they want to come home to. Don't let them see you in the morning looking like a frump and come home in the afternoon looking exhausted and all they ever see of you is your worst. Give them something that they can be attracted to again. Present yourself in a way that will cause their eye gates to be turned back to you again. That is our responsibility as women. But what if there's abuse? What if there's violence? Well, friends, you have to leave if there's violence. You have to get out. And I want to tell you about somebody that's violent. Once they start, they don't stop. But you can give them the opportunity to go for help. Now, I'm not talking about divorce. I'm just talking about getting out of the situation and giving space for them to be able to go for help and to find the reason for their abuse. You know, the truth is most people that are abusive, physically abusive, really are just people that are emotionally stunted and have never grown because of some trauma in their life. And that's why anger and rage takes over where they are limited emotionally. Give them the opportunity to go for treatment. Give them the opportunity to go for help. And out of that, friends, let God turn what's toxic into something beautiful. It is not a solution. It is a side door. And God is wanting to treat you some, teach you something much greater in the journey. But then that same passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 14 to 15 goes on to say, But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such a circumstance. God has called us to live in peace. Now that word not bound means that they are no longer in time. They are no longer bound together. They are no longer enslaved. That's what it means. They're no longer in bondage. One who gives himself up for another's will is then free of the other's will. One who devoted themselves to another to be disregarded of one's own interest. So that's what happens when you cleave, you are bound, you become the, the, the three-corded strand that cannot be broken. But if you play your part in the marriage, if you fulfill your covenant role, don't look at what they need to do different. You look at what you need to do different. And if you fulfill that, friends, and you do everything that you can to be the wife that God asks you to be, or to be the husband that God asks you to be. And they still choose to walk out because they're not prepared to play their part. God says, then you are no longer bound. You are then free. And then you can go to somebody and you can ask them to break those soul ties. Because then it is not a side door, but it is a solution. It is a conclusion where God said, you tried your everything. You allowed me to work in your will, but they did not allow me to work in their will. Therefore, I will not punish you. I set you free that you may live again. I set you free and I will restore you and I will restore what the locusts and the canker worm have stolen. And in that case, friends, you do not walk out of that marriage having fled, but you walk out of that because God has led you through the door of freedom because the person that refused to bow their knee, God will hold accountable. He's a just God. He's a fair God. And he is a truthful God. But he's a gracious God. And he gives much space. And in the journey 
where one lives with an unbelieving partner. There's so much God wants to teach us. There's so much God wants to show us. There's so much we need to learn on that journey. That is the sandpaper. That is the living stone that we need to sharpen us and smoothen us so that we look more like Jesus. You know, it says in, in Peter, it says we are all living sto stones built together to create um, the holy tabernacle of God. And so we need each other to rub each other smooth. And if God allowed you to stay in a situation like that for a season because he wanted to teach you things, then friends, don't look for the side door. Let him teach you. Let him show you. If you've learned how to worship in all circumstances, if you've learned how to hold on to your joy no matter what, if you've learned to walk in the victory God will lead you through. And it says, after you have walked in the valley of the shadow of death, he sets a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And then you are not divorcing because you're looking for a side door. But actually, God has led you into a place where you are no longer bound in covenant because the unbeliever refused to change. It is the end result. It is not an escape route. Now, I want to tell you, this is a very, very exciting revelation to understand because God's first plan is always restoration. And God's first plan is always to bring a marriage back to where it should be. And God works very hard at, with that, at that with anybody that's prepared to surrender and bow their knee to that. But he is gracious and the day does come where he says, this is not happening because I cannot force my will onto somebody that refuses to receive the will of God. And then he sets the other partner free. Now, in um, Proverbs 15 verse 25, it says, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. And this is really important for us to understand. What is a widow? Well, if once again, looking at the Strongs, it says, One who's been forsaken as a widow, bereavement, discarded as a divorced person. One lacking a husband. Now when God leads us through a marriage and the unbeliever has walked out and is not prepared to work at it and you have stuck in there and played your part in your covenant not with a bad attitude, not grappling, not always feeling sorry for yourself, not always running around to everybody to be stroked but on your knees before the Lord worshipping, trusting him, living in the fullness of joy, representing Jesus to your children and they still refuse to work at it, God says, I now see you as a widow, one discarded by death or divorce, one lacking a husband. And then, friends, we get widow privileges because from that moment onwards, there's no slur, there's no slander, you're not a divorced person. You're not a person that's been abandoned. You're a widow who Jesus says, I become the husband to the widows. And he takes the role and he becomes the one that looks after you. And then, friends, you are free once again to marry again. Because at no point of time was there sexual immorality. And at no point of time was there an escape to get out of a difficult time. But there was a leading through into a conclusion that left you whole, that left you restored, that left God glorified. And the person that chose to walk away, he doesn't let go of them. He still wants to work in their lives, but he's not going to let you suffer any longer because they refuse to bow their knee to the things of God. And then I love the scripture, Isaiah 54 verse 45. 
It says, do not be afraid because you will not be ashamed. Don't fear shame for you will not be humiliated because you will forget the disgrace of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. How amazing is that, friends? How absolutely amazing is that? And so I want to say to you today, God hates the putting away. He hates it when a man uncovers his wife. He hates it when a man doesn't treat his wife the way that he's told him that he needs to treat her. He hates it when a woman doesn't admire and respect her husband. He hates it when the marriage covenant is treated cheaply. So, does God hate divorce? He hates the uncovering of a man, of his wife. He hates the putting away. He hates people living in a relationship that does not reflect him, even whilst they're living in the same house. He hates it when a couple are not fulfilling the covenant that represents the most holy covenant of oneness, the very covenant that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in, the covenant of one. That's what he really hates. The divorce paper is just the end result, friends. Does God hate it when we get divorced for any other reason except sexual immorality? Yes, he does, because it establishes absolute trauma for every single person involved but if you're the faithful partner if you're the one that continuously chooses to live a godly lifestyle in the midst of a marriage where one partner is unbelieving where they are not prepared to work on the marriage where they're not believing the word of God where they're not bringing their part the day comes that the father who is gracious the father who is kind and the father who is extremely just says, well done. And he leads us into the fullness of freedom because the unbelieving partner says, I'm not prepared to do this anymore. And then friends, let them go. Let them go and let God wash you clean, present you as a widow before the father and let Jesus himself become your husband. God bless you, friends. I hope that this has been helpful. I hope this has helped you to understand. And I just trust for great marriages and for even greater futures and that the next generation truly can see the power and the glory and the love and the authority that comes in living a godly marriage. Bless you all so much. Until next time. Goodbye.